Welcome to the dulcet tones of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. Good afternoon, kind Adam. How are you, sir? Wow. When did we become NPR? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man, but it was a bad it was a bad exit off of the uh, Dolphins in Depth podcast highway, and I'm, I'm very <laughs> upset that I took it, damn it. Yeah, we. Uh, I'll, I'll play some smooth jazz in the background. We'll have a fundraiser. Would you like a tote bag, sir, uh, filled with old Sesame Street DVDs? No, I think I will go with the enema instead. Thank you very much. Much <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh man, what a hey, start to this show! Hey Adam, so um, let's let's get to business right away. As we were discussing during our hours-long planning session for this show, <laughs> uh, tell me what you're hearing as far as future for Dolphins off-season slash training camp. Well, the first thing they have to do, Armando, is get back in the building, which doesn't sound like has happened yet. Certainly not for coaches. That won't be before next week at the earliest. But there has been some reporting in recent days that there could actually be there could be actual football practice on field practices within three weeks. Charles Robinson of Yahoo uh, reported this week that it's possible as soon as June 15th that teams will return for minicamp. That that might be a bit ambitious. But it signals to me that there is a real appetite, at least among some in some quarters of the uh, of the National Football League, to get this thing moving, not wait until late July to get back on the field. Uh, that seems like pretty soon. I mean, considering that that coaches haven't even returned yet to the to their offices and, and, and many co- complexes around the, the country still aren't even open. But it suggests to me that there are someone in the league or an owner or a GM or a team CEO whispering in Yahoo's ears that this might be sooner rather than later. Well, also, uh, owner of the Miami Dolphins, Steve Ross, said that there absolutely will be a 2020 football season. So that's good news, too, no? Yeah, absolutely great news. He said it uh, yesterday morning, I believe, on Squawk Box. Is that go-to viewing for you in the morning, Squawk Box? Well, as you know, I am often awake very early in the morning. <laughs> After posting most of my columns and blog posts, like at three in the morning, I'm often awake at six and seven o'clock. Well, uh, because I knew you wouldn't have missed it, I'll, t- I'll explain it to our listeners uh, that uh, he appeared on CNBC yesterday morning, Steve Ross, and essentially said, not essentially, said point blank, there's definitely going to be an NFL season this year. The only question is, whether or not there'll be fans, he's hopeful, optimistic that there'll be at least some fans in the seats, which I could see happening, to be honest. If, if they adhere to social distancing and there's only 10, 12,000 people in the building, they could make that work. But I, I think it's great news that they're planning to start the season on time. Uh, the problem is this, Armando, there might be some things that are beyond their control. Uh, there's, there's talk about a possible second wave with this. We don't know if that's going to be the case. We obviously all hope it's not going to be the case that the worst is behind us, but the NFL is full, full speed ahead. Uh, it seems until told otherwise until the health professionals say, Hey, this isn't safe anymore. And that's good. We need sports. It's good that the NBA is talking about coming back. It's good that the NHL has a plan. And first of all, we, as an aside, we need to congratulate the Florida Panthers for making the playoffs. That's, that's an accomplishment, even though 
they, they, they increased the field to, to get the Panthers in. But there is going to be a football season. How it's going to look, you know, will we even be allowed there? That's unclear. I don't know what the media policy will be. I'm sure that's pretty low on their list of, of things to be concerned about. But I, I think with each passing week, we're going to see more and more return to normalcy in the National Football League. And I, for one, am all for it. Well, let me tell you, um, I'm, I'm glad that you are self-deprecating as a media member because, frankly, I'm right there with you. The media sucks. But <laughs> but uh, it would behoove the NFL, in my opinion, to uh, make sure that the media covers their game in 2020 and as much as possible in full uh, onslaught as possible because if they're limiting the number of fans who are able to attend – they need to do something to open the field to those fans that aren't there and can't be there and can't experience by adding more media, not cutting media. I um, agree. I agree completely. Logical. Yeah. Yes. Particularly in training camp, uh, because I would say that is the least likely that they'll have fans in training camp. And if they do, it's going to be just a small percentage of, of you know, you see some of these teams. Patriots, Steelers have tens of thousands of people that show up. That's just not going to happen. It could be in the the dozens or hundreds that are allowed to show up and instead of the tens or the tens of thousands. So uh, I agree completely. And, 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 and let's be honest, we, we should explain to our listeners that you could absolutely cover the team and adhere to CDC guidelines. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, there is we'll, we'll paint a picture. Now, granted, I doubt we'll see the inside of a locker room in 2020. Uh, most you're always all, such a positive person, Adam. I really love your optimism. But uh, do you think we're going to be in the locker room in 2020? Um, I am not going to dismiss the possibility because, you know, what can I tell you? I just don't want to give up ground before I have to retreat uncontrollably, soiling my pants. But <laughs> I, I don't just want to retreat. Uh, at the first sight of uh, problems, that's, that's... I, I I agree. I think that decision won't be left up to us, though. I think I think Roger Goodell and Doctor Sills uh, and everyone else who is far far above even the pay grades of of Tom Garfinkel are going to make that decision for them. Uh, but I, as I was mentioning, uh, to, to paint a picture for people who have not been to Dolphins training camp in their facility, you absolutely can do our job and still socially distance there is a big bank of, of bleachers um i believe on the west side of the the practice fields where they can fit 2500 people they can easily fit 25 media members uh they can bring these 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 players and coaches to us in a podium setting where we all sit kind of like the president does uh, the governors do when they have their 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 media briefings at a social distance, we can get to these these players. The, the idea that they're going to shut us out completely is wrong. The, the PFWA, the Pro Football Writers Association, will fight that tooth and nail. I do think it will look differently. But should we be able to watch practice? Absolutely. There is nothing that there is nothing about sitting and watching practice at six feet away from one another that is that is dangerous in any way. And I think there'll be a massive blowback if they try to take that away from us. And let me say one thing right now. Okay, so. Um, I am sure that the Dolphins will adhere to any policy that the NFL and Dr. Seuss sets forward. Uh, but, but, but let me say this. Um, the, Do the Dolphins, perhaps as much as any team in the NFL, 
would welcome less media. Let me repeat that. The Dolphins, as much as any team in the NFL, would welcome less media because this current Dolphins organization headed up by Brian Flores does not love the media. They don't like the scrutiny. They don't like to answer questions. They don't like any of that stuff. So that's not a negative for this Dolphins organization. So you think that uh, instead of uh, pushing the league for more access, they might be pushing the league for less? Well, let me see. Let me refer to the uh, Chan Gailey transcript of that interview that, <laughs> that he did when he was hired in uh, January. What, what month is this? This is what? Uh, we're, is- we're, we're, we're four days away from June. Okay, so in, in January, when Chan Gailey was hired, the press conference transcripts say, uh, no, nothing. There's been no, have you heard from Chan Gailey? We have not. And, and I okay. will say this, the, the, the Dolphins are uh, part of a growing trend around professional sports to be their own content producers. Uh, they, they've hired their, uh, their, own, their own team of podcasters. They have a, obviously a huge presence on social media. They, they, like many teams, are looking for ways to craft the message in the way that is most advantageous to them, which, bravo, from a PR standpoint, the more you can control the message, the better. The problem with that is this or not. <laughs> The pro- the pro- I, 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 wait a second. Uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, who, was it Goebbels that said that too? <laughs> I think I think it was Goebbels. No, <laughs> it, it, he may have. Um, I, I'll have to check my history books, but uh, that wasn't who I had in mind when I was oh, discussing. Well, trust <laughs> me, controlling the message that. That's been done by a few governments in the 20th century. That's all I got to say about that. And uh, I would love to see that rejoinder in a column if they ever kick us out of the locker room. <laughs> how, how would that go over at, uh, at, uh, on, uh, on North, Northwest 30th? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, really, serious. Controlling the message. You know who doesn't have to worry about controlling the message, Adam? Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to worry about controlling the message. And this is, before we go to break, let me just offer you this this nugget, okay? Um, Since 2000 or so, actually 2001, when the New England Patriots started to have success, some coaches around the league, and I'm going to tell you that it's coaches that were trying to reach a certain level of success, that really didn't have the proficiency to do so, including one Dave Wanstat. Mm-hmm. They looked at what the Patriots were doing, and what the Patriots were doing were was limiting uh, what assistant coaches could do and say and speak with and and you know just verbalize to media, controlling and limiting how players spoke, telling them what to say. Uh, in, in other words, as Bill Parcells told me one time, shutting down organizations as tight as a tuna can. That's, <laughs> that's a quote from Bill Parcells himself. And they believed, and this came from Bill Belichick and the Parcells tree, that that helped them to win. And I've seen a lot of teams around the league, mostly teams run by Belichick disciples who have adopted that and have tried to clamp down on, on, on the idea that 
we're going to have a, a working relationship to the idea of we're going to have an adversarial relationship. And the idea is you're the enemy. We're the good guys. You're, you're freaking an outsider and you're going to stay that way because we don't like you. We're inside and you're noise. That has been a growing sentiment among some teams. And all I can say to that is I look at coaches who have won Super Bowls aside from Bill Belichick. And I don't think that the reason Bill Belichick won those Super Bowls was his media policy. No. I, I think the reason he won those Super Bowls might have something to do with Tom Brady. And I, just just a crazy thought. Yeah. Because on the other hand, I see the Andy Reeds of the world, the Mike Tomlins of the world, the Tony Dungies of the world, and I think, hmm, those guys won Super Bowls too, the the the, the Pete Carrolls of the world, and they didn't have these policies and they did just fine. So what I would say is to coaches who adhere to these We've got to lock it down to be successful. No, what you have to do to be successful is coach your players well and have them play well. And Armando and Adam are not really going to be in the huddle affecting a play one way or the other at all, ever. Right. It, we're not the reason that you're succeeding or failing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, giving away the game plan is one thing. Talking a little trash or opening up something personal about you or having an opinion, that will not hurt you one bit. And you're absolutely right. The, the Patriots didn't win Super Bowls because they have a dictator. They, 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 they won Super Bowls because they had Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and Richard Seymour. And, and, and so on, you know, Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung and all these, Vince Wilfork, all these all-time greats that were on their team. And, and it just so happened... Correlation is not causation, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and, I, and I hope the Dolphins don't go down that road. The first year of Flores, they were actually pretty good. I mean, they, they, they had some moments, obviously, but there were very few times when I was told no. But I would think over the last four months, they have used this social distancing to socially distance themselves from the media. And I, I hope it doesn't continue. Well, I, you know, we've socially distanced from each other. I even hate the term social distancing. I mean, what the hell? It's like, think of the words. They are, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, they're opposites. Social means to be together. Right. Distancing means to be apart. Well, we, 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 need, to ta we, need, we need to take some distance from each other for 30 seconds. How does that sound? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now we're back together again, Adam Beasley. And look, I didn't want to turn this into a uh, uncovering of NFL media policies and Dolphin media policies. But look, it is what it is. If you've got the policy, then I guess you don't mind it being told to the people who, who you know, basically, not that you answer to, because, oh, by the way, I've had people within the Dolphins organization say to me, we don't care what the fans think. We like the fans. We appreciate the fans. But we don't take their opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, they've just said that to me wide open. And to be honest, that's not a bad thing when it comes to player procurement. But when it comes to other things like customer service, 
that is important. And I, and I think there, there should be a differentiation. They're really good when it comes to customer service. They were among the first teams to say that, hey, if, if, there's, if, if, if games are jacked up because of coronavirus, uh, you, you don't give up your, your seats for 2021. You can get your money back for 2020. Uh, there are plenty of sports and plenty of teams that are just pocketing the cash. And that's awful customer service. So I think in a lot of ways they do care about and service their fans. But when it comes to information about the team, they don't see it as a priority. Uh, well, e- exactly. And the information is the information that they want out there by themselves. In other words, they want to drive the narrative, except that, you know, that's not possible. So here's a question, because this is going to be the final Dolphins in Depth podcast, I believe, uh, for a couple of weeks, because I'm going to be away. I don't know if you're going to do it by yourself or not. Um, oh, are I, you? Can't, I, I can't carry this thing. Are you kidding me? But you are star <laughs> of the show, Adam Beasley. Well, we, we're going to see that lie being exposed, <laughs> all right? <laughs> okay. So before, you know, I, we can't let it go without a good deep dive into the Dolphins quarterback room, if you don't mind. Please. T- tell me what you believe is the status of the Dolphins quarterback room and where we're headed as the next time that we meet, we're going to be looking at the opening of a training camp. Uh, I believe today and on September 14th that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is atop that depth chart. I think he has every advantage right now to be the starter. I think it's the reason he came back to play. Uh, He's not guaranteed that, obviously, maybe – to a balls out in the preseason and, and takes that job for him. But right now he is the guy to me. The fascinating thing is this Armando, uh, if they only keep two active on game day, who's the second is Tua ready to be that number two guy by the start of the season, particularly since he's had really no offseason program. I know they've had these zoom classes, but it's not the same. He might not get a mini camp. We don't know for sure if that's going to happen. So he'll have essentially Four, four or five weeks of practice, maybe six weeks of practice of training camp in the preseason to show, A, not only that he's healthy enough to be active on game day, but knows the system well enough and is polished enough to be their backup. I think for sure Josh Rosen's on this team this year, unless somebody blows them away with a trade offer, which you and I don't think is going to be the case. I think the Dolphins keep three quarterbacks, and I think those are the three quarterbacks they keep. Very good. So let me tell you, last year, I know for a fact that before one snap was taken in anger in the preseason, the Dolphins set their quarterback plan for the first month of the season, Mm -hmm. uh, of the regular season. Mm -hmm. In other words, they knew that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starter, and they agreed that after the second game or so, that they were going to bring in Josh Rosen. They knew this. I know that they did because I know that they did. Right. Um, So this is without having the benefit of watching the preseason in which Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, granted, he won the job too. And then amazingly, after two games, it looked awful and they needed to go to Josh Rosen anyway. So their plan was perfect, even though it was set before we knew the details of what was going on. I believe that they will have a plan in place for 
Fitzpatrick again for Tua and for Josh Rosen before we see the start of the preseason. I completely agree. I think they almost certainly will start Fitzpatrick first week of the season. I think it would take Tua having the camp and preseason of his life. He, we, we, you know, we kind of knock people for comparing to Dan Marino, but it's going to have to be even Dan Marino didn't start week one. Right. I mean, it took him a while to get that starting job. He's going to have to be so good in that four or five week window that the Dolphins are forced to play him. And honestly, could it happen? Sure. Do I think it's going to happen? No, because he has never practiced. He, he might get to late July never practicing in the NFL before. It would be absurd to ask him six weeks later to start an NFL opener. That'd be crazy. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, what do you think they're going to do with Rosen? Well, that's the interesting part, because as I wrote today, why is this guy just sucking around watching the world go by? I mean, doesn't he have an agent? Why is his agent not going, hey, uh, I'm looking at the situation and Josh Rosen, your future, he's not in it. <laughs> and he shouldn't be. And he doesn't want to be. You need to trade him. Why aren't they requesting a trade? That is what that is. Isn't that like agent 101? Uh, the answer might be he has zero leverage. Well, uh, zero leverage. You can always make the request. Oh, yeah. We don't we don't know if. They have, and it's possible maybe they have quietly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I just think that that it it it, it reeks of well, okay, we'll just do this. <laughs> uh, we're we're just gonna go with the flow, and it's great because it benefits the Dolphins. It really does. Oh, without question. I think I think there is something about Josh that he is very aware of the persistent perception of him entitled everything was given to him at an early age hasn't had to fight for everything um and if if he craps out of another team it's going to just be another i guess mark against his possible development possible career as a pro i think part of him wants to sit back not sit back but stay where he is compete his ass off earn an earn a spot in this team maybe earn some playing time at least in the preseason to show what he can do and then maybe the Dolphins will have a little bit more value to trade him if that's what they're going to do late in the preseason. But I, I, what, what could they even get for him right now? Maybe a sixth, a seventh yeah. round pick? I mean, that's, that's all they would get for him at this point. I think he's more valuable on their team than, than the draft pick would be. Uh, to the Dolphins, yeah. I'm look, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm looking at it from the Rosen perspective. And from the Rosen perspective, let me see. Let me sit back and, um, you know... Uh, improve my value well yeah that your window is very small because your value can improve during the you know training camp if you practice well and in the preseason if you play well mm -hmm. after that your value is not going to increase or improve at all because ryan fitzpatrick is going to play he's the starter and Tua tonga valoa train is coming Mm -hmm. And it's getting closer and closer and closer. And you're on the tracks and someone tied you up and, and that train is coming and you're tied to the tracks. So you tell me how Josh Rosen, uh, his status improves with the Tungavailoa train bearing down on him. <laughs> well, the, 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 only, the only answer, and it's not very likely, I would not place a bet on this, 
is that he shows such drastic improvement from year one to two and year to two to three in the NFL um, that he wins the job. And we don't think that's going to happen. But stranger yeah. things ha- stranger things have happened. Ryan Fitzpatrick could get hurt. There, there are things that could develop. But right now, he, you're, I agree with you, he's in a terrible spot. Absolutely. And w- one final thing before we, we go out of here. People are saying, what if Tua beats Fitzpatrick out? And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> how is that, how, how that going to happen? I mean, you got to understand, correct me if I am wrong, star of the show, Adam Beasley. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in this offense and played NFL games in this offense for four or five years. Correct. A couple in Buffalo, a couple in the New York with the New York Jets. How does a player who has, you know, decades, uh, over a decade of NFL experience and half a decade of experience in the offense get beaten out by a rookie who hasn't had an off-season conditioning program, hasn't had minicamp, hasn't had uh, the benefit of all the other off-season stuff that most NFL rookies can avail themselves to in normal years and normal off-seasons. How does he... How does he lose the job in that regard? And oh, by the way, your offensive coordinator loves you. <laughs> loves you. He may have taken the job in part because you're there. Exactly. And you may have had a uh, you know a certain role in getting him there. So tell me how that uh, conglomeration of facts turn into someone other than Ryan Fitzpatrick starting on September 10th at New England. How does that, how does that happen? It doesn't. And, and I have a theory. We may have discussed this last week. It all runs together. I make many media appearances, Armando. I can't keep them all straight. Because uh, you are a star of many shows. <laughs> correct. Um, like, let's, let's, let's rewind back to December, November, December. We were pounding fits every week. Are you coming back next year? Are you come back next year. And there was a moment that I got him to the side in the locker room and the tape player wasn't running and I was just trying to feel him out. And I, I could tell he truly didn't know. And I was like, well, it's, it's, it, it, what do you think? It's going to be dependent on your family. He's like, oh, no, no, that's not, that's not going to be the determining factor. Um, and I was like, well, what could it be? It was, I am, I am absolutely convinced at this point. It was, if Chad O'Shea comes back, I will not. I think there was that much, and we've written about it, that much of a distrust, a dislike for the system he ran, a dysfunction in that offensive uh, offensive staff, coaching staff room, that uh, it, that was what Fitz was waiting for. He wasn't going to come back to another bleak show, as people have called it to us, and, and what happened within that team last year. And when 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 uh, Flores right away, I think he honestly, I, I think when I had that conversation with him, he knew he, he had expressed these things to people above him. He knew that Flores knew what was going on uh, and he was just waiting to see how it played out before he made his decision. Because, look, they fired uh, Chad O'Shea the day after the season. We talked three weeks later um, uh, to, 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 to Chris Greer in Mobile, who said, yeah, Fitz is coming back. What changed in the, those three weeks? It wasn't that. Fitz's body miraculously healed or he got five years younger or, you know, his wife decided not to have another child. No, the only thing that changed was a wholesale change at offensive coaching staff. And to me, I'm convinced that's the reason Fitz decided to come back. 
And let's wrap this thing up with a bow. And who's the new offensive coordinator? Uh, Chan Gailey. And could you tell me what the first things he said on his transcript when he was made available to the media uh, when he was hired? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. Exactly what he said. We, uh, <laughs> we will have... I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's a pity that we have to take a hiatus because we're really just clicking on all cylinders. We, 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 we read off each other well. We know each other's takes. Uh, yep. it'll, be, it'll be fun when there's actual football to talk about. We have been talking about nonsense for the last six months now, five months. Uh, the next time we talk, we'll have actual football to talk about, God willing. Uh, except if the Dolphins make Chan Gailey available to the media tomorrow. Or the next day, or the day after that, or if I'm in Sri Lanka and they make him available to the media, and I'm on vacation in Sri Lanka, I will get on the phone with you over a long-distance cellular, paying international rates, and ask you to. By the way, let's do a Chan Gailey podcast on Dolphins in Depth because Chan Gailey talks. That will be my. Chan Gailey talks. That will be my pledge to you and our faithful listeners. If Dan Gailey talks in the next uh, month and a half, I will break vacation and we will do another podcast. All right. We appreciate you joining us here today on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. And as always, we will return. It's going to be a fun season, I think. Um, so we hope that you continue to join us here. Everybody enjoy their summer. <laughs> <laughs>